0: Number one talk station,
1: voiceamerica.com Voiceamerica.com welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now here's the host and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz.
2: Good morning from the number one internet radio talk show. Today we have a special guest, Tom Luntz, who is an author. Welcome, Tom. Hi, Cindy. Hi, did we wake you up?
0: Uh, Only in a way.
2: (laughs) (laughs) In a way, that's very cute. Well, you write a lot of books, so we know you're busy. You were probably writing until like 4 o'clock in the morning last night.
0: I I was, actually, yeah.
2: How did I know that? (laughs) It's a creative profile. You know, you teach, you're into creative writing, you wrote lots of business books. um, You know, very, very impressive um, CV here, Crying the Natural and Cultural History of Tears. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, cosmopolitan vistas, American regionalism, right? An introductory macroeconomics. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I've, 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 uh, I've got a little bit of a workaholic in me.
2: No, I think that's and, good. And, that makes and a, li- and a
0: little bit of a slacker as well, which is why I wrote the book about. Slacks.
2: Yeah, it's very good. Doing nothing: a history of loafers, loungers, slackers, and bums in America. It's a very catchy title. What I, I would imagine that does that refer mostly to the Gen X and Gen Ys.
0: Well, that was the that was the uh, beginning of it. But what, as I looked into it, I uh, I realized it went back into the 18th century, and that's why the the in the, in the 18th century you had loungers, In the 19th century you had loafers, um, early 20th century there were bums, and then smackers come along in the late 20th century.
2: Oh, okay. So they should have put it in chronological order, right? Yeah, there was a publishing error.
0: I think they wanted it to have a kind of lions, tigers, and bears, oh, my
2: um yeah i think so too i think well explain explain to us um you know how this doing nothing concept or you know probably being really smart <laughs> because it's, i mean you have to make a living somehow and i'm assuming that these people you know, have found a way to make money, even if they were trust fund kids. But explain the concept of how it worked historically and how it relates today.
0: To okay, today. well, there there are, there, are two, there are two different things uh, involved in it. One is that there's a there's this kind of figure of the slacker, we, like uh, Charlie Chaplin's Little Tramp. You know, is a, a guy that doesn't have to work for a living, but he's a fictional character. Right, and there are, and there have always been fictional characters who, uh, and some of them have been authors who represent themselves as slackers. So Jack Kerouac, wandering around the country, uh, Samuel Johnson in the 18th century called himself the idler and the rambler. Uh, that's how he signed his his essays. But they, both of those guys were in fact workaholics. They just posed as slackers.
2: It's a character.
0: Yeah, as, as a character. Kevin Smith, the um, you know, who does all of the slacker movies. Yeah, the com- uh, he's you know. a comedian actor. Sure. Comedian actor. He's, he is he is an incredible workaholic. He works all the time.
2: Yeah, he just had a pretty um, visible role in a movie
0: where he actually spoke. Oh, yeah. I
2: think it was Chuck and Larry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly.
2: So, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's the Kevin Smith guy. You know, it's like, yeah, no, so there's always been, it's sort of like, um, you know there's so many different expressions for it but it's creating these people that you're talking about on the most part are really proactively creating a role for themselves and it works for them to be successful right
0: they're selling themselves as slacker so it's a way it is a way to make a living now there are other people like um i started writing the book when my son uh, at the age of 18 proceeded to kind of lie on the couch um day in and day out supposedly working on his uh, resume to go out and get a job and uh... I I, I, I was incredibly angry at him. I couldn't figure out why I was because I had been a young hippie wandering... Or myself, I should have been able to understand, and I didn't. So I wanted to understand my son, and he he was not making a living at being a. Slave.
2: No, see, that's I think that your son. I have a daughter who's twenty one. She's graduating from Santa Cruz this year, uh-huh. and uh, you know, and she just seems. I, listen, she's doing well in school and all of that kind of stuff, but the, the attitude is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm and I'm sure this is reflected in your son as well. It's. Um, isn't there sort of, they're all kind of playing the role of the loafers, the loungers, and the slackers, and the bums, but then yeah. we, have to, we kind of have to see if they're really playing a role or if this is part of the, you know, echo boomer generation.
0: Yeah, no, Yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an available role um, that people adopt when, they are, when they're in big life changes and they don't know what to do next.
2: Uh, well, it's, I guess it's a better role than being, you know, really neurotic about it and depressed.
0: Yeah, yeah, very perhaps. Although there's a little bit of uh, kind of overlap between the depressive and the and the slacker.
2: (laughs) No, that's it's it's a very interesting concept to me. We read about it in the Los Angeles Times, and that's why we wanted to go after you because I'm I'm sort of fascinated by the concept. I had you know I, I guess you and i are kind of in the, we're peers i would mm-hmm. guess and you know i really worked my butt off for almost 30 years i was number 4 at playboy enterprises moved to los angeles from new york
0: uh-huh.
2: and um you know i you know i'm i'm running offices today and i'm seeing sort of a different kind of work ethic and that's why i wanted to go into depth with you um i think that you know there's even terms for it um you know there was an article this weekend, about youth intelligence and um, the fact that this generation will do the work, but they're going to find the easy way.
0: Oh uh, yeah, well, the, one of the one of the interesting things I found in doing this history because I looked at it wasn't just in America. I looked in England and I looked at, and I looked around the world at uh, at various slacker cultures. The places where the slacker shows up as a as a as a cultural figure, as a cartoon, as a as a as a TV character places that have strong work ethics so the biggest the biggest slacker subcultures are in the u.s they're in germany in japan um they're places and 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 they don't start until you start to get uh an an industrial society so the, the slacker arrives in england in the middle of the 18th century arrives in america a little bit later in the beginning of the 19th century uh it doesn't arrive in india for instance until india starts to industrialize in the middle of the 20th century um it's it's a it's a it's a reaction against the work discipline that certain kinds of work there's no slacker culture in bali
2: <laughs> it's not industrialized <laughs> yet i guess it's
0: not industrialized and it just doesn't have that, right there there's there's work that happens there obviously there's a lot, there's harvesting of coconuts there's all sorts of things that happen but there's not that kind of industrial work discipline that we all know as the workaday world
2: except for the except for the expats that live there they're probably all slackers
0: they're all they are all slackers
2: yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no but that's very very interesting it's very interesting so it, i think that the um you know the exceptional Hypothesis that you come up with in this book is the fact that this has been going on for a long time, and it's not just with the MySpace generation. Yeah, it's not
0: just, it's not just this generation. Every generation has its... Um, and, a- and actually, it happens whenever the world of work changes in some fundamental way as well. So in, when industrialism comes in, everything changes. But when, uh, you know, w- w- the big slacker um, boom in the 90s happened when people looked around and realized that they were all working in cubicles. So the office space... Film, right? The, 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 that kind of that idea that all of a sudden we're we're working in cubicles and we're punching things into computers and we don't know why. Uh, and it's a different kind of work. It has nothing to do with the work that our fathers supposedly did or, or our grandfathers. We're not welding things. We're not building things. We're punching code into computers. What does that mean? What 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 what, what is this world of work? And at those moments, that people rethink it. They think, Why am I doing this? What does it mean? Some people dive in and say, well, it means I'm going to make a lot of money, and they're happy w- to do it, and they're happy to work ahead. And some people look around and say, well, this is no way to live. I'm no,
2: I, Yes, we see both personalities. Well, listen, let's take a commercial break, and then we'll come back and talk about it more. And um, we'll keep on plugging Doing Nothing, a history of loafers, loungers, slackers, and bums in America, because I do like it. it is like lions and tigers. <laughs> so stay tuned, and we'll be right back.
0: Great, thanks. News, News, opinion, Opinion. 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 your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything... Except make empty promises, grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with two thousand people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the e Channel, MTV, the Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rock and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.Rack and Entertainment, That's r-a-k and rolentertainment.com or call one-eight one eight-five nine seven zero seven zero zero movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio. Rack and roll productions, we do it all. ww.rak
3: Every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel.
4: Young people, do you want a forum to discuss your ideas and thoughts about what matters most to you? Speak Up brings together diverse voices, cultures, and ideologies from college-age adults across the country. Host Gina Holland provides a different perspective on how current affairs impact future generations. Broadcasting live every Thursday, Speak Up with Gina urges young Americans to think, ask pertinent questions, and affect change. That's Speak Up with Gina, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America channel.
0: VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show,
1: here's Cindy Rakowitz.
2: And we're back with author Tom Lutz, Doing Nothing, A History of Loafers, Loungers, Slackers, and Bums in America, and people can get this online, I would imagine, Tom.
0: Yeah, it's uh, Amazon and Powell's and all of them.
2: I think... um You know, what we have to identify in this segment here, and, um, you know, this is important, it's subtle, but the difference between the person who plays the role of a slacker, you know, because they're really great, they're really, you know, very, very ambitious, but put on this slacker persona, Mm -hmm. and the people who, in this, in an industrial society, industrialized society are just damn lazy.
0: <laughs>
2: I mean, because that happens, yeah. too. I, and, you know, how do you... I mean, I guess it's a matter of, you know, financial evaluation, whether the slacker is really making a living or not.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah, well, you know, there's... there's uh, I, I, I realized early on that if, if you're in a relationship where you're sharing things like uh, doing the dishes... If you're both doing fifty percent of the dishes, you both assume you're doing seventy five percent of them.
2: No, yeah, I think that's very true.
0: right. Yeah. And so that one of the one of the interesting things about uh, slacker slacker issues is that in the, in the workplace, people tend to feel like uh, t- tend to overestimate the amount of work they're doing and underestimate the amount of work that other people are doing. and the the people who do pre-employment testing to figure out what, what which workers are going to have a good uh, work ethic, do it by asking a, a battery of questions and saying, you know, if, if somebody gets credit for the work that you do, how does that make you feel? If you get credit for the work that somebody else does, how does that make you feel? If you have to stay until six and everybody gets to go home at five, how does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. And, and vice versa. So there, this kind of sense of, of it, it, it's, a, it's an emotional issue. Um, a, a, a strongly emotional issue. Um, how much pe- work people are doing and how much work they're not doing, and it's uh, not always completely rational. That is, why should we be upset if there's a lazy person lying on a couch? It really doesn't make any difference to us.
2: Well, I mean, if somebody is indeed really covering the workload, or you know, if somebody's responsible for a team, yeah. you know, and that, and one of the team members, you know, happens to be laying on the couch. Um, that doesn't really do much for Gestalt organization.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, right. No, no. In, on, a, on a specific team, in a, in, a, in, a, in a specific work environment, when you're working with somebody, then then you have a, a perfect right to be upset when somebody's not pulling their load. But there's also, you know, there's. Uh, I looked into all of this kind of uh, unbelievable anger at the idea of the welfare queen. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. part of the welfare debates back in the in the '80s and '90s. Um this this anger this anger is in, in a way hard to understand why exactly um the there's so much more anger at the, you know, couple of million dollars we spend on, on uh illicit welfare payments versus the gazillions of dollars that we spend on illicit Overcharging for military contracts.
2: Well, no, I, I I think that's very true, and I think in your theory that the welfare person is probably doing the best they can and working with the system to survive.
0: They, they, they may very well be. They may also be lazy people who who are or who are trying to scam by. But it's a doesn't seem like it should uh, bring up the kind of virulent feelings that it does for people, except that our relation to work is so twisted and. And complicated.
2: And for some of us more than others. (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) But um, I mean, isn't it very, in an anthropological sense, I mean, isn't it very basic? I mean, people used to get up and do the hunt and the berries and, you know, in agrarian societies, you know, everybody kind of shared tasks for the most part. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Except that those tasks were all defined by the task itself. So, you know, when you, have, you have to get the seed in the ground by March, whatever it is, May, whatever. <laughs> it's been, I've been a while since I've done some planting. <laughs> so you have to get the seeds in the ground by a certain date, or you can't harvest the crop before the first frost. So everybody works to get that done. And when the crop comes in, it has to get harvested or it rots in the field, and so everybody works to get that done. But once that's done, then you kind can hang around. You can sit on the porch and smoke, and you don't have to, you don't have to do anything else in with in industrial society we get into this kind of um the more you work the more money you make the more the, the more you um the, the harder you work the more you advance and so people get uh in in this kind of uh non-stop work world um that that are that are hunter gatherer and agricultural forebears never knew anything about
2: no exactly right but you know when you talk let's look at the 1990s and mm-hmm. Let's look at the whole um, internet boom and everything. You know the kinds of people that made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. What, did they work really hard, or did they have good ideas? Both.
0: Yeah, they they had they had both. There's there, the the myth in in uh, uh, that that drives um, the American work ethic is that you you work hard and you get ahead. And the people who are responsible for that myth, you know, is people like Benjamin Franklin, um, are themselves. Uh, often, kind of slackers too. You know, Benjamin Franklin is the a penny saved is a penny earned, and you know a, a, a day lost is never found again. You know that, that, that kind of you have to you have to work all the time. Franklin made a big show of working hard. He would go to the train station and pick up a roll of paper for his print office and roll it down the street. And um, then, as soon as he got the paper in the door and nobody could see him anymore. Um, he would let his workers take over and move the paper around and do all the work.
2: So all he did was really find the paper.
0: He likes He really. Li- he he said it was. It's very good for your reputation as a businessman if it looks like you're hardworking.
2: Uh, well, you know, I think that some of us really try to do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some of us don't. <laughs> right. Do
2: you work hard, Tom? Uh, I I am.
0: Uh, I'm I'm a hot dog, basically.
2: What's a hot dog? Yeah,
0: you know, I I work really hard. For a while, and then uh, I just got back from a three-week trip to India and Sri Lanka. Um, that was supposed to be kind of a work trip. I did I did a little bit of research. I suppose I I may write about it if I do. Then it. Then well, it's, you're
2: making it like you did.
0: Yeah, but it's but it was really just three weeks of doing a lot of nothing.
2: Oh well, I'm sure. But what's nothing? Is it taking in a whole new world and studying a different culture or you absolutely,
0: know Absolutely, absolutely. And that's and that's uh, that's one of the interesting issues what what counts as work for 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 people like us. I mean, w- right now we're having I think a kind of fun interesting conversation, but we're both working
2: Oh no! I it's think that this is work. You're working. You're promoting the book, and yeah. you know I have to do this radio show because you know it's been on the air for three years, and it's just part of what I do.
0: Exactly, but this is not that different from what what I would do at a at a dinner party. Right? No, exactly what's, right. What's your book about? Slack is about? Well, I would tell them, and and so it's the, the the relationship between, I mean, it's not like being a welder or no. being a ditch digger, right? This is our the when. And and as work gets more and more diffuse and more and more hard to define exactly what it is we're we're doing, you know these kind of mathematicians who sit and think um, for twelve hours and then write down one equation and call it a day, you know it's hard right. it's hard, right. To,
2: right. Exactly. hard to figure
0: out whether that's slacking or or working from the outside. Um, they'll tell you it's work.
2: Well, I guess there's different folks for different drugs. Yeah. But um, well, you live in a very laid-back sort of place, don't you?
0: Yes, I live in a laid-back neighborhood of a supposedly laid-back city. Although it's funny the the people that I know um, work extremely hard here.
2: Uh, do they really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, we just um, went to Palm Springs. You're going to laugh really hard. My husband and I went to Two Punch Palms. We were really the youngest of the people there. Yeah. <laughs> We wanted to go cuz it was featured in the movie The Player. Right. And we thought that there would be all kinds of Hollywood types there. I don't think so.
0: <laughs> I think that crowd has moved on, yeah. <laughs> um
2: <laughs> you know, it's um it was very very interesting but Palm Springs looks like it's uh you know, it's a great slacker area.
0: Yeah, that's well, it's um you know the the, the it's it's interesting out there because it's a it's a retirement community. By and large, right? There's a lot, a lot of retired people out there, and yet a lot of them. Um, I run a, a writing program out in Palm Desert, and um, I, I get calls all the time from people who are retired from the ent- entertainment business. But they'd love to come in and teach a course. They'd love to come in and talk to the students. They're they're kind of itching to do some more work.
2: And, and I'm sure you're open to that. Students always want to hear other perspectives.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I've, I've had some, I've had some great, great people. Uh, helping out there
2: um, you know I think well that's a retired person really doesn't want to be retired just like anybody else in this psychological evaluation <laughs> is that true
0: yeah our, our self-worth is so wrapped up in what it is that we do and people people uh, elsewhere make fun of Americans for this you know that the, that the first, first question we ask a person that we've met is what do you do yeah,
2: no, I, and it is kind of odd. I mean, in other cultures, I guess it's about who's your family and where did you grow up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what, uh, what are what are you having for dinner? Or not, but not, what do you do?
2: Uh, I guess that's why when an American travels overseas and an American talks about their job so much, it's kind of weird and off-putting to other cultures.
0: Yeah, it can be, yeah. But it can be seen as tacky.
2: yeah. Yeah, it's um no it's it's very interesting. I think that everybody in the workplace today should get a copy of this book or not in the workplace because you well, could ju- you know, you could justify yourself.
0: That would help me out quite a bit if that if that Well ends.
2: that's why you're on the show. <laughs> we want you to sell books. We hope that people and okay. the show by the way, Tom, is it could be downloaded all the time. If right. you have a you know, you have a website, you could put this on your website.
0: Terrific, I will do that.
2: And um, people can download the show all the time, so they're reminded over and over again to buy the book Doing Nothing, A History of Loafers, Loungers, Slackers, and Bums in America. And I mean, you know, this is very easy. We sh- we call this show Plugs or Us.
0: <laughs> Great.
2: But, you know, we have to ask the questions about the profiles and all of that kind of stuff so
0: mm-hmm. that
2: our listeners know what they're buying. But I think that this sounds really fascinating. In the next segment, if it's okay, I want to talk a little bit about the natural and cultural history of tears. Sure. If that's all right. And we're going to take a short break right now, and then we'll come back and we'll plug your book some more. Great.
0: the experts call toll-free right now one 472 and ask our all-star team to answer your question that's one 866
1: 472 thank you for calling
3: voiceamerica.com
1: movie premieres tv specials radio shows film festivals restaurant openings fashion shows charity events yachts parties at rack and roll productions we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio... Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E-Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at That's R-A-K. N R O L L Entertainment.com or call 1-818-597-0700. Movie premieres, charity events. TV specials. Rock and roll productions, we do it all. entertainment dot rollentertainment.com.
5: The ability to wield power, shape the environment, and the outcome, and the desire to make things happen are essential characteristics of all great leaders explore the essence of leadership from an insider's point of view on leadership intuitions with dr joseph Riggio international coach consultant and advisor to leaders for over 20 years get the unvarnished inside story on how leaders in the spotlight take the critical decisions that deliver exceptional real-world results and why they sometimes spectacularly and publicly fail as well tune into leadership intuitions for a behind the-scenes look at what gets great leaders up in the morning and what keeps them them up at night. Go beyond the conventional advice about what great leaders are and what they do, and learn how to create your own personal legacy as a leader. Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio broadcasts each Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Leadership Intuitions Power, Achievement, Relationship.
4: If you want to put the pet back in your step, Chad Lafferty says just what you're looking for.
0: the internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Cindy
1: Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not but she will answer your questions.
0: Now back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. We're
2: back with Tom Luntz. Welcome back, Tom.
0: Hi, thanks for being...
2: Doing nothing, a history of loafers, loungers, slackers, and bums in America. <laughs> I will get to the tears part in a minute, but I was thinking I wanted to go through some people and I wanted, you, I wanted to see your evaluation as to whether they were you know, falling into the category of the loafers, loungers, slackers, and oh, bums. Oh, okay. Um, You know, because people, you know, I want to get into, you know, the psychoanalysis here because they might be well-known people. Okay, so let's see. Um, Let's talk about our politicians. The caucuses are happening today in Iowa. So, Mm. which which one of our politicians would you say is (laughs) is most most likely to be a loafer, lounger, slacker, and bum. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's many of them, so yeah. there's your opportunity to make a decision. <laughs> right?
0: Yeah. No. I, you know, the, I don't think that you get there. Um, you don't get to Iowa. The Iowa caucuses uh, being a slacker. So it's 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 not a no. But but I do think that there are there are certain things about uh, Huckabee. Um, right. He likes to he, he plays the bass. He's a, he's got the, that rock and roll. Um, uh, part of his part of his personality he's got the kind of laid back uh arkansas backwoods, not going to get too upset about anything, not going to go on the attack and you know kind of relax his way through the campaign um and then uh, uh Thompson of course Fred thompson's been accused of uh giving a somewhat lackluster performance so far in the campaign uh, yeah he seems
2: blackerish, yeah, might be the actor in him,
0: yeah. Acting acting is uh, acting is a is a if at a certain level is a good a good slacker career um that is if you're making enough money um and you don't you're not you're not too driven you can you can have a fairly relaxed life but since most actors uh, also have to work as waiters um it's it's not that relaxing
2: No no but if you get to a successful actor you know yes. who can score a decent amount of money per movie. It's admirable, of course, that you know they're working hard. Listen, for those of us that grew up in entertainment, doing a movie isn't easy when you're doing the movie.
0: Exactly. You know,
2: there's demanding hours. Your life really isn't yours. You can be called in the middle of the night to do a scene, and you're expected to do it contractually. And I think that's admirable when a person can have that kind of discipline and focus.
0: Absolutely. And I have I have two kids in the in the, in the business, and um and uh, they work uh, they work often day and night.
2: Oh, absolutely, and I think that in the advertising industry as well. I mean, you get on deadlines, and you know you're being paid, you know, thirty million dollars, <laughs> you know, to get a campaign going.
0: Um, <laughs> you really ought to put a couple hours in for that. I
2: think yeah. that well, you have to. I mean, what you produce is, you know,
0: what's,
2: you know, it, it what it's what you're getting paid for. So if you're doing a campaign for Taco Bell, or you know, or for Apple, you have to deliver. <laughs> yeah, and deliver to perfection. I think a lot of the hard work when you get to a bigger company comes into the politics. You know, if you're working for you know a larger organization, even today, sometimes there's four people assigned to do a task that one person can probably do. Oh,
0: uh-huh. and is so that- so a lot of the work is figuring out how to how to maneuver around th- those problems.
2: Yeah, I mean, but that's honest
0: work, isn't it? Uh, it uh, hopefully. that's good when it's dishonest work, right?
2: (laughs) No, it's actually true. Well, how do you get around this? Because everybody in America, at least those people that came from families that had the work ethics or the welding ethics, Mm -hmm. as you call it, you know, there's a bunch of us that feel that if you're not working and making money that you're not anybody. How do you counter that?
0: Well I I'm, I'm not sure you I'm not sure you do that is the I mean or, or uh, one one answer is that you that you can't do it very comfortably most people can't do it in the same way that you can't be uh, you can't be comfortably countercultural because your culture is determining um, value and and your culture tells you what's good and what's bad and your and if you're if you're uh, running against that culture you're going to be you're going to feel shunned now if you find a a a collection of like-minded People, um, to be countercultural with, then you have these subcultures, and those subcultures give you your sense of worth. Uh, and there are, and have been, um, through history, slacker subcultures that, that help people kind of feel alright about the fact that most people don't think well of them. <laughs>
2: Right. Now, well, you know, you think of people who just sit around the house all day and I'm not talking about a young adult who just graduated from school, mm-hmm. but you know, what do you do? I mean, that's not okay, is it?
0: <coughs> Excuse me. No, it's not okay. And it's I mean it, it, it's it there there are people now who are who are writing um books and uh and articles and counseling us to slow down and to relax and um stop and smell the roses and Cook more slowly and eat more slowly, and and not be so driven. And that's a you know that's part of the same kind of impulse as the slacker impulse to say to to kind of constantly reevaluate what it is we're we're uh, we're all up to as a culture.
2: Well, I guess even in in Greece, you know, when you got back to the times of philosophy, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what did these philosophers really do? They thought all day, and then they just kind of talked about what their theory for the day was.
0: Yeah, they had they had chats. I mean, they, they 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 studied, they read, they did they did some work. But of course, they had uh, it was a slave society.
2: So <laughs> no, they really, have,
0: they really didn't have to do any of that uh, any of the tough work.
2: No, that's really really true. Well, it gave them a lot of time to think and pontificate and write books, and I think that if you look at you know all ancient cultures like China and India, it was really Kind of the same thing. You had a lot of philosophy and mythology going on.
0: Yes, uh, uh, and and, uh, and again, a, and a very different kind of relation to work. I mean, the, the work work um, work it, it never becomes uh, of, of value until again until the industrial revolution. That is, um, work was something you either had to do. Because you were a slave or you were a you were a farmer and you needed to eat, or it was something that you didn't have to do, and if you didn't have to do it you were lucky <laughs> <laughs> that's really um, true that's really no, true it's, privileged. Only, it's only it's only really kind of in the last few hundred years that that this kind of idea um hatches that work is ennobling
2: right, and it isn't really if you take away the expectation
0: <laughs> no it's it 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 is not i mean if Digging a ditch is not necessarily ennobling, except again that we we do learn these things at uh, you know from the, our earliest ages on, and we get praised for working hard, and so we 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 uh, we, we do it. We we like we like the, uh, the the commendation of our fellows.
2: Oh, we do. Well, we're going to end after this segment, but I wanted to talk about crying a
0: little bit. Sure.
2: What made you think about writing a book about crying and tears?
0: Well, I've I've always been interested in um, in, in emotion, in uh, in, in feelings. I've, I've I've had a my first book was on nervousness, um, and and as I said, the, this even the slacker book is about how we feel about work and what the, the kind of feelings that, that uh, anger and, and jealousy and all this, the other feelings that go into our our sense of work. Um, the, so the crying book is one of those. I, I, think, I think crying in part because it's not a specific emotion. Right it can we can cry for joy, we can cry for sadness, grief uh anger, frustration um and I wanted to just look at this form of emotional expression that doesn't have any necessary uh meaning and how it uh how it how it functions in different cultures around the globe.
2: Well you did it for 400 pages so it must have been a lot <laughs>
0: there is there's a lot that, a lot to be said about it as it turns out um the, the 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 one of the interesting things is that even though every you know we have a this sense that women cry more than men do right that that's of course been changing over the last couple of decades um and it's true that every every culture divides up its emotional labor in different ways so that the uh men are allowed to cry about certain things but not others, and the same with women. And there are are cultures in which, for instance, at a funeral, the women weep on the way to bury the body, and then the body's put in the ground, and the men weep on the way back.
2: Oh, so it's kind of, it's a designated assignment.
0: It's a designated assignment, but it feels completely natural to people when they're doing it. It doesn't feel like, okay, now it's my turn to cry, I'm going to... Force myself to cry. It, it comes perfectly natural in the same way that tears come naturally to us in a, in a tear jerker film or whatever. We we think of them as natural phenomena, but they're very highly enculturated. We, we, we learn them in our culture. And in fact, there are, there are interesting experiments in which they said some uh, uh, Maori tribesmen went from New Zealand to England to go to school, and when they came back to New Zealand, they, they realized that they couldn't—they no longer cried at the right time in the rituals where they had been crying since they were kids.
2: But they were away from it, so they'd lost they lost the pattern.
0: They'd adopted a whole different emotional culture, that kind of British stiff upper lip culture, and, uh, and could no longer function correctly in their own society.
2: And when you go to other societies... You know, let's say certain Asian cultures, you can't cry or show any emotion at all. I mean, or at least you're taught that. Am I correct?
0: Yes, yeah, right. Every, well, every in in every in every culture, the, it, crying is regulated, um, and uh, you know that, that it, cha- it changes over time. You know, in the 18th century, it, in the 19th century in America, you know, Lincoln cried during his speeches all of the time. Uh, uh, Sherman. Uh, Grant, Lee, all of, all of the Civil War generals cried on the battlefield. Um, Odysseus cries in the Odyssey. Aeneas cries in the Aeneid. Uh, all of the great warrior heroes, Beowulf, they all they all wept. So we have we, there's a there's a kind of changing culture of tears uh, over time, and and this particular era now of male reticence in, in the in the in the West. Is a is a fairly recent blip in that in that history, and um, and in uh, in Japan, for instance, which has a very strict rules about when you're allowed to express emotion, um, Japanese medieval warrior heroes also were very were very weepy.
2: Well, what women have to use that when they're criticized for crying in the workplace, huh? Yes, I mean we're we're probably the better corporate warriors. We're the ones that are doing the things that the great warriors did of all time.
0: Yes, yes. I mean
2: if you're not crying, you're not a warrior. So there.
0: <laughs> uh, well, you know, let's let's see how far that takes somebody. Yeah.
2: Well, <laughs> but it's you worth it's worth a shot. You can't argue with history. You know, <laughs> I mean, you have a given and an X variable, and you know, there's it's valid argument, really. Well, well listen, we're going to have to wrap up. But it was a pleasure having you, Doing Nothing, A History of Loafers, Loungers, Slackers, and Bums in America. Everybody should go online and get the book so that you could understand why it's okay to do nothing.
0: (laughs) And uh, and you can cry while you're doing it.
2: (laughs) And you can cry if you want to. (laughs) Well, Tom, we thank you for coming on the show. We're sorry if we've woken you up at this early hour.
0: Thank you, Cindy, very (laughs) much. I'm going to go back and uh, take a nap.
2: All right. Well, why don't you do that, and um, thanks for joining the show.
0: Very glad to be here. Thanks.
2: Okay. Take care.
0: Bye-bye.